0: morning, you would bring transformation. Change us, God, today, I pray. Change us. As we yield ourselves and we surrender ourselves under the mighty hand of God, would you do a work in us, I pray. Lord, I pray today we would gain your perspective, heavenly perspective, Lord, I pray. Have your way in each one, I pray, Lord. And even as I share your word this morning, I ask, Holy Spirit, you lead me. Anoint my lips. Set a guard over my mouth that not one word would be spoken that is not on Father's heart this morning. May I be aligned to his heart, I pray. Lord, I pray for every heart, every ear under the sound of my voice. May it be yielded, may it be ready, may it be open to receive what the Spirit is saying, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. What a beautiful time in His presence this morning. Can you turn with me to Mark chapter 4? verse 35 I've titled my message this morning anchored an anchor is critical in turbulent seas right the Cambridge definition says to make something or someone stay in one position by fastening him or her or it firmly The Webster Dictionary says it is a reliable and an important support. So if we combine these, it's basically saying that we, you, me, someone is firmly fastened to a reliable support, therefore keeping in one position. So we're going to read from verse 35 and I know many of you may be thinking this morning this is such a common piece of scripture there is nothing common about the word of God and every time we open it it is breath that he breathes on us so starting in verse 35 it says on the same day when evening had come he said to them let us cross over to the other side Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? I'm going to jump around a little bit this morning and you're going to just follow with me. But I want to start off in verse uh, 37. It says that a windstorm arose. Now, this is an external storm. It's based on circumstances, things that you have no control over, right? How many of us are in that right now? (laughs) There's a windstorm And we have no control over these external elements that are taking place It's also interesting to note that wind is an unseen force Correct, you don't see wind, but you see the effect of it You look outside and you don't see wind, but you see the trees Swaying in the wind you hear the sound of the wind Now I'm going to address exactly what we're all going through this morning, and it's the windstorm of COVID, right? I've got no respect for this virus. I hate it. Um, But let's address it this morning, because each one of us are in some way being impacted by it. We need to recognize that this is an external force that you and I don't have control over. Correct? Correct? It's also something that is driven by an unseen force, like wind. We need to understand that it has been backed by the demonic, right? We don't see it, but we see the effect of it. And that's why when Jesus later on, he rebukes the wind, and then he speaks to the wave. Why? He first addresses the unseen before he deals with the seen. He rebukes the wind, and then He speaks to the waves. We need to recognize that we are in an unseen storm right now, being backed by the unseen, but we're seeing the effect of it in the natural. So we need to know how to walk in the season. So we recognize that this storm that's taking place with the disciples is an external storm. They do not have control over the elements. But it's interesting, it says that the wind and the waves start to beat against their boat, and it starts to fill. How many of you know that if the waves start beating long enough, it has the potential to start filling us? Amen? Now what starts to happen is the external starts to consume us. And we're in a storm where the waves are filling and they're filling and they're filling. And we're being consumed and we're being filled by these external forces, external elements. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill Completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confidence, hope through the power of Holy Spirit. So the disciples are in the boat. The waves start filling the boat. Now what happens, take note. It no longer is just an external storm. It now becomes an internal storm. Because, think about this church, they are in a boat with the Prince of Peace. He's there. But they allow the external circumstances, the windstorm, to fill them to a point where now they step into a place of being fearful. And if we are not aware of this, we allow the external forces, the external circumstances to consume us and to fill us. To where we too get to a place of having an internal storm. We're filled with fear, anxiety, discouragement, hopelessness, despair, fear of the future. We now find ourselves in a place of an external and an internal storm that is raging. when this happens you need to realize the result of this when we have an external and an internal storm taking place the disciples step into a place where they question God they say teacher do you not care? how many of us in the body of Christ that right now have got to a place where we start to question the sovereignty of God the control of God the goodness of God the nature of God because we've allowed the external to consume us and now this internal storm is raging and the result is I question Him Church, what are we allowing to fill us? You see, we cannot control the waves. There's certain things we don't have control over, but we can determine what fills us. And this morning, I want to challenge us as to what are we filling ourselves with? Is it the Word of God? 1 Peter 1 verse 24 to 25 says, the flesh is as grass the glory of man is as flowers the grass withers the flower falls away but the word of God stands forever you see Jesus saves our soul but the word saves our mind right Jesus saves our soul but the word saves our mind and we need to fill ourselves with the word of God we need to stand on this book, the breath of life. We need to live by it. We need to consume it. We need to be filled by it. How much time do we spend reading the reports on social media and on the news versus what we spend reading the Word of God? Is the first thing we do in the morning is go into our phone app and check how much cases there are this morning you know what are the statistics or do I go straight to the word of God what am I filling myself with in the season are we filling ourselves with thanksgiving (laughs) interesting when you go through a storm it's really hard to pause and give thanks but Philippians 4 says that our prayers and our requests and our petitions need to be accompanied with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving precedes peace. Because it goes on to say, and then the peace of God that surpasses all. Right? It precedes peace. But we need to stop and we need to thank God for moments. You know those times where you see the trace of God's hand in the detail? We need to take a time just to stop and give God thanks filling ourselves with thanksgiving why? because it changes our perspective on things it makes us see just how good God actually is are we filling ourselves with praise? (laughs) we've seen this morning how praise shifts atmospheres it does something Psalms 22, David says, Why have you forsaken me? This guy's feeling down. God, why have you forsaken me? And just one verse later, he says, But you are wholly enthroned in the praises of your people. What does this mean? God comes and he inhabits that space where there's praise. So if you're in a war, praise. If you are fearful, praise. If you are discouraged, praise. If you are disillusioned, praise. If you are fearful, praise. Praise. Praise in all circumstances. God inhabits the praises of His people. If you are lacking presence, praise. If you are lacking the presence of God in your life, praise. If God is in the midst of praise, then where there is no praise, we need to understand that negativity draws the demonic closer. Can I say that again? If praise draws God closer, then negativity draws the demonic closer to us. And we need to praise like never before. Are we filling ourselves with prayer? Church, over the last couple of weeks, we have had our prayer warriors, the frontline warriors, cover some serious territory in prayer. Serious territory. And I want to honor all of you who have spent time interceding and covering and carrying this flock. Many who are sick, Many who are going through storms and difficulties, and they are travailing and enduring and persevering in hours of prayer. Hours. We're all called to do this. But let me say something. When we spend time in prayer, it's the declaration of God's goodness, it's declaring His promises. It's standing on his word. Correct? I want to say to to us, and I really want to challenge us this morning. Each one of us, I've been challenged. The Lord is still working with me. Trust me. If you have nothing positive to say, can you keep quiet, please? I'm being serious, church. Because let me tell you what's happening. We are a people of faith, correct? We are a people of faith, meaning that everything we say is backed by faith, good or bad. We are either, Proverbs 18 says, we are either prophesying life or we are prophesying death, but we are a people of faith, meaning everything that we say is being backed by faith. And what we're having is a group of prayer warriors that are warring for hours. And there's those that are canceling the prayers by the negative talk, by repeating the bad reports, the statistics. Listen, we don't need to know what's going on. We know what's going on. Stop speaking it. Stop agreeing with it. Stop empowering the demonic with your words. The word is clear. It says that out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. You can quickly pick up in just a moment, having a conversation with someone, what they filled themselves with. Correct? In this season, it's easy to hear what a person has filled themselves with. What is coming out of our mouth? Is it the statistics, the negative reports, the what ifs, the bad news, or do we continuously stand on the goodness of God? Declaring His goodness in the midst of it all. We, we focus on the death rate, but there's so many recovering. Are we gonna give God thanks for those victories? Are we gonna see how He has carried us through The season, seeing the trace of his hand. Church, I'm serious. It is time for us to keep quiet. If you cannot speak the word of God, if you cannot declare his goodness, keep quiet. Because there are those that are spending hours through the night in prayer. And then there are those backing their words with faith, canceling everything that's been prayed. Come on, church. We need to fill our souls with the right stuff. We are the ones that carry hope. Our speech needs to be different. Our speech needs to be different. And so we find these disciples have gone and they've got this external war and an internal war and storm going on and it's chaos. And they don't know how it's going to stop and they start to question God. Church, we don't have a right to question God. He's God. As much as at times we're tempted to and we wonder, God, when, God, how, why, we may have those moments, but we don't have the privilege of questioning an almighty God. He is sovereign. He is holy. He's in control. Listen to Jesus's response to the disciples. He says, "Why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith?" He doesn't say little faith, some faith, a portion of faith. He says you have no faith. Jesus contrasts fear with faith and he equates Fear with having no faith. He doesn't ask this question because there's a windstorm. He asked this question because he's seen his disciples shift from a place of believing to a place of allowing the external circumstances to override the promise, allowing it to become an internal storm, and then questioning his sovereignty. And he says, why have you no faith? It's interesting in the opening line of this text. Let's look at it. Verse 35, it says, Jesus opens this text with this statement. Let us cross over to the other side. It starts like that. It starts with a promise. Let us cross over to the other side. You see, before the storm started, the disciples would have just taken this as an instruction. We're here now and we're going there. This is our tour guide. He's telling us where we're going. But when the storm came, that statement moved from an instruction to a promise. Correct? It started with a promise. And he says, Let us cross over. The problem is they're so busy looking at the wind and the storm, they allow that to override the promise. They take their eyes off the promise. Church, we have a book filled with promises that was given at maybe at times when we read this, it just seems like instruction. You know, it seems like a guidance through life. And yes, it is but it's a promise. Before any storm ever raged in your life, there was a promise that was given. Things like, let me tell you a few, do not be afraid, I am with you. I will help you in every situation. I will hold you with my righteous, victorious right hand. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome. I will give you a covenant of strength and peace. We don't need strength when we're strong. We don't need peace when we're peaceful. He's saying when you feel weak and when you feel anxious, I am making a covenant with you to be your strength and to bless you with peace. When you pass through the waters and the fire, I will be with you. You will not be overwhelmed. When you feel weak, it becomes a portal for my strength. My joy is your strength. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I will give you beauty for ashes. I will be your strength and help in times of trouble. And if you endure, you will receive the crown of life. These are promises that were given to us before a single storm started to rage in our life. Church, we need to take our eyes off the external circumstances, off the storm, and set them back onto the promise. Not allowing them, the circumstances, to override the promise. You see, Jesus didn't say, you go to the other side. He said, let us go. Let us go. Whatever you are facing right now, you're not doing it alone. We have the promise that He is with us in the storm. And we are crossing over to the other side. Church, it is time that we are anchored. You know, when a ship is anchored, it still moves slightly. Right? It, it feels the current. It still has the ups and the downs of the waves. It still has the waves beating against the ship. And it still moves to a point, but there's a parameter. It can't go beyond that. It can be moved slightly, but it cannot go beyond that point. Why? Because it is firmly fastened to an anchor. It is time for us to be anchored in the season. I want to ask a question this morning. Do we truly believe that God is able to calm the storm? Right? With just one word. Just one word, He can calm the storm. So we need to understand the sovereignty of God. That if He wanted the storm to end, He would have ended it by now. Correct? But until he says, be still, enough is enough. Until that time, we will remain anchored and steadfast and unwavering, standing on his promises. Until he says, enough. We need to remain attentive to his purpose. And we need to gain his perspective in the season. Church, this is imperative. We need to gain God's perspective in the season. You know that it is the storms that quickly reveal who we are anchored or what we are anchored to. And it is the storms that reveal the condition of our faith correct these disciples are in the boat with Jesus and only when the storm starts does he go where's your faith you have no faith it was the storm that exposed the condition of their faith Isaiah 55 my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my thoughts and my ways higher than your thoughts and your ways. Church, God is calling us higher to gain His perspective. He says, come up higher. Gain my perspective in this season. Could it be that He's training us for what He wants the body of Christ to be prepared for in the next season? He's calling us higher. He's saying, get my perspective on things. The truth is, church, 1 Corinthians 13 says that, for now we look in a mirror dimly. We don't understand it all, it says, but one day all will be revealed and we will understand it all. Until then, are we able to say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. Philippians 4 says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, meaning this church, you need to relinquish the right to understand and your demand to understand in order to receive the peace that surpasses all understanding. The problem is we want to demand understanding in something. And he says, my ways are not your ways. So do I move from a place of demanding my right to know and understand to a place of fully trusting a good God? There's a shift. There's something that needs to change. And are we able to say, God, even though I don't understand, I trust you. Church, when Jesus, when they reach the other side, The very next verse, it says that as Jesus gets off of the boat, he delivers a man possessed with a legion of demons, over 6,000 demons. It says immediately, meaning what? There was a purpose that they were moving toward. There was an assignment awaiting them. There was a mandate given on the other side of the storm. The problem is, is sometimes when we're in the storm, like those disciples, they almost aborted and abandoned that mission because of the external circumstances. How often is it that we go through a storm and we lose sight of the assignment? We lose sight of the mandate. We lose sight of the call on our lives because we're focused on the here and now what I'm going through right now the storm in this very moment we lose sight of what lays beyond this and we have still been called to be the salt and the light we are still called to carry hope to spread the good news of the gospel I want to be vulnerable for just a moment um some of you, you may know that um, my dad has been in ICU for 27 days. Well, in hospital and ICU for 27 days with COVID pneumonia. It's been a storm, um, and in this time, we've seen the trace of God's hand in so many details. He has been so faithful we've had our prayer warriors undergird and carry. But a couple of, about two weeks back, we had the opportunity to go in and see him in a COVID ICU. We've done our isolation period, so don't stress, please. But um, we got the opportunity to go in and it was a pure miracle. And so when we went at first, the matron said, We could, my mom and I could both go. And then the manager stopped at the door and said, No, only one of you. I said, Okay, mom, you go. Church, I'm going to be vulnerable with you this morning. I was scared. I'm fully kitted out in gear and headgears and masks and shields and aprons and you name it, you've got it on. And I'm walking, and in my mind, I'm thinking, You know, am I safe? Oh, my kid's gonna be safe when I get home. And but I've got one, one purpose. I just want to get to see my dad. I just want to hold his hand and say, Dad, I love you. Because at that point we didn't know how things were gonna end. From one moment to the next, things can change. You can get a call. You know, and there was moments where you would see the doctor's number and your heart starts to race before you answer that call because you don't know what to expect. And it's in those moments, I often would say to to Ryan, it's in those moments, I've just got to spend some time alone with Jesus. I need to anchor myself. Because I could feel the external wanted to get in. I could feel it. There was moments where my heart was racing. And I had to say, I'm I'm going alone and I'm spending time with Jesus. And I'm anchoring myself on Him again. Not because I'm guaranteed of the outcome, but in spite of, I will praise Him. In spite of, I will hold on to him and I will anchor myself to him. And so I go in wanting just one thing. We just want to pray with dad. I want to tell him how much I love him. We want to anoint him with oil and lay a a hanky on him that we had prayed over. And we just want this moment with dad. and, And that's all I have in mind. Anyway, the manager stops me at the door and says, no, only one. I say, mom, you go and I'll stand outside and I'm going to pray for you. And in that moment, my mom says to him, you know, I would just really love my daughter to come in and pray with her dad. She's a pastor. Well, in that moment, he, he comes to me in such speed and he said, you've got to get in. Go. We need prayer in this room. We need prayer. You need to come. Church, I want to be vulnerable with you this morning. I wasn't ready for that. Can I tell you why? Because up until that point, I had just been concerned about my storm, my dad, my world, our situation, my safety, my children, self-preservation. Haven't we got to that place as believers? Self-preservation, as long as me and my family are okay, we'll be all right. And in that moment, I had to almost like wake up. I have a manager of RCU saying to me, we need you in this room. You need to start praying. So my heart starts to race because now I'm thinking, well, Lord, I was going in there just to speak to my dad. Now the mandate has just become a whole lot bigger. We step in and church, let me say something. It's traumatic. Our honor our frontline workers. But in that moment, my whole perspective changed where I realized, are we ready in this season to reach out and allow God to use us in whatever situation He places us? Or is it a thing of drawing back self-preservation, self-isolation, And being concerned about only me. I'm not talking about being reckless, church. But in that moment, I was able to step into ICU and lift my hands up. And release the presence of God in that place. What a privilege. What a privilege. But I was challenged in the fact that I had gone there with only my family in mind. I was convicted. And I realized that God is saying to us that if he calls us and draws us into a situation, we need to trust him there. I had to literally dress myself with a cloak of peace. In that moment, I said, Lord, I'm going in. I put on your peace. I put on your protection." And I enter this place and I trust God that where my feet step, your glory will come. Your presence will follow. And breakthrough will come to those in this room. Church, we have the risk of losing sight of the assignment when the storm is raging. We stand the risk of this and we need to gain God's perspective. The reality is, church, church, Romans 8 says that we will be a people led by the Spirit. The sons and daughters will be those led by the Spirit. The Passion Translation actually says that we will be led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. We are moving into a time, the end time church is going to have to be a people who are led by the presence of God, not by fear. Not by man's opinion, not by man's counsel, by the presence of God. I'm led moment by moment by the presence of God. Because the problem is, is we have the risk even now of fear being masked as wisdom. I'm not saying we mustn't be wise, church, don't get me wrong. But we can almost get into that place where I say, no, but it's wisdom to not. But the Lord's leading me there. But it's wisdom. No, it's disobedience. <laughs> Correct? Because I'm driven by fear. So, so what am I trying to say this morning? I'm not saying we're going to be reckless and we're all going to go walk into an ICU room. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if we are led by the impulses of the Spirit, it means that this week I've been to Checkers three times to buy my groceries. But this morning I wake up and the Holy Spirit heeds caution and I don't go. Why? Because I'm led by the presence and the Spirit of God. I may say today that I will not at all go into any public space. That's a decision that you've made as a family. I will not. But today you wake up and God says, I need you to go there. I'm led by His presence. I go where he asks. It's not reckless. It's not unwise. It's not being careless. It's not being fearful. It is us as the body of Christ being a people who are led by the impulses of Holy Spirit day by day by day. In fact, minute by minute. Lord, do you want me to go here today? Can I go here? Should I pray for that one? Should I go there? Lord, show me. Lead me moment by moment. May I be a a woman of God led by the Spirit and the impulses of Holy Spirit. Because if we're not, church, we're going to miss the assignments in the season. We're all being called in the season. Each one of us in some way. God is asking something from each one of us. What he's asking is being filled with the word. Filled with thanksgiving. Filled with praise. Filled with prayer. Declaring the goodness of God. Recognizing that you are a person, a people of faith. And everything you say is backed with faith. Out of the abundance of the heart flows. Fill your heart with the right stuff. The Lord showed me the other day a tug of war that's taking place right now. We give ourselves over to fear. We fill ourselves with negative reports. And then we want to bind a spirit of fear. We're spending all our energy binding things that we're actually giving territory to. It's a tug of war that we're in at the moment. Be determined on what you fill yourself in this season. And allow the Holy Spirit to lead you moment by moment by moment. Don't take your eyes off the promise. Don't take your eyes off what God's called you to do. Fix your gaze on Him. He says, let us, let us go to the other side. He's with us. If you can just put that image up, Lynette, I'm going to end off shortly and my mom's going to be sharing a, a testimony as well and just encouragement. This is an ancient anchor. It's a rock that has a hole in the middle and they would tie the rope through in order to anchor the ships. And I, I heard an illustration of someone referring to this as the hands of Christ. Holes in the hand of our Savior. Everything we are experiencing right now, He took to the cross. Everything. Trauma, loneliness, despair, discouragement, fear, isolation, sickness, pain, you name it. He took it to the cross and His hands were pierced. So we could take these things with a great exchange and say, Christ, you took it all. I exchange it. I take a hold of what was done at Calvary. And I give you all of this. He is our anchor. He is the one that we need to fasten ourselves to so firmly in this season that we may be pushed a little bit here. We're human and we feel a little bit there, but it's to a parameter. It can't go beyond that. We cannot get shipwrecked or capsized. Because church, our testimony, listen nicely. Our testimony is it rains on the just and on the unjust. Everyone is going through the storm. No one is exempt. Everyone. The difference is our testimony is that when we go through it, we remain steadfast. We remain being led by the Spirit, filled with hope, consumed with peace. Joy, thanksgiving, praise. People look at us and go, what on earth is going on? That's our testimony. Our testimony is not that it's easy and nothing ever goes wrong. No, our testimony is in spite of it all. He is with me. Amen.